Within the next few years, we should have humans back on the moon, but what does that mean for the rest of us back on Earth? The Apollo 11 moon landing is often described as a moment where the world came together as one. Could Artemis do that again? This episode is very much an opinion piece, so let us know your thoughts via our social media pages at Space and Things One on Twitter and at Space and Things Podcast on Instagram and Facebook or via the contact form on our website. And don't forget to please consider joining us over at patreon.com forward slash space and things. But right now, enjoy episode 129 of the Space and Things Podcast. Listening to Space and Things with Dave Giles and Emily Carney. I'm Emily Carney. And I'm Dave Giles. And welcome to episode 129 of the Space and Things podcast. You know, it's been 29 episodes in to this second century, and I still don't know whether to say 129 or 129. What do you think? <laughs> I think either or is fine. I think people, uh, <laughs> I think it'll people take it either way personally, but it do, it doesn't bother me. Either way is fine. I know it really doesn't matter, but every time it comes up, I'm like, what do I say? <laughs> anyway, how you doing? Good. Yeah, it's like going from 1999 to 2000, and nobody yeah. knew how to say it at the beginning. <laughs> like, how do we say this? Yeah. I am doing good, just uh, chilling with the cat right now. So. Oh, nice. Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Nice work if you can get it. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, it's uh, a big anniversary for you this week. Yeah, I think it's a 12th anniversary of, of Space Hipsters, which is, I can't believe we're 12 now. We're almost teenagers. If you're in the group, we're currently celebrating, uh, we're, we're talking about the various moonwalkers right now. Oh, nice. 12 years, 12 moonwalkers. Very good. Yeah. And today we started, today is, uh, we're taping on Monday this week. So today we started with uh, Neil and Buzz and we'll uh, tackle the rest of the moonwalkers this week. By Friday, we'll be on Young and Duke. Nice. And then we'll uh, be on 17, I, I believe, on Saturday. If you're in the group also, I believe we're going to have some drawings and some prizes. So come join us. It'll be a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah, I think we're giving away the uh, picture version, the the three volume, the picture version of the Andy Chaikin's A Man on the Moon. Oh, cool. It's got some photos that are in it that are just really awesome. I think it's got a Apollo 16, like a training photo in it. And John Young has magnificent 1970s hair. So, yeah, it's <laughs> excellent. It's, that's worth the whole the whole set in my opinion so yeah no but it's a it's excellent so yeah come join us we're gonna have some fun right shall we crack on yes let's crack on okay oh yes uh, sleep 16 has arrived roger 16 copy it answer we reached out to our patreons recently to ask if there was anything they'd like us to discuss or any topics which we should cover we got some really amazing responses, so our list is now pretty long, which is great. Dakota asked us this. Looking back at that brief moment on International Human Unity the evening of July 20th, 1969, what do y'all think the Artemis landings will do for international culture, peace, and unification? What will Mars do? How can we use spaceflight as an avenue for peace across humanity in the next few decades? And today... That is what we're going to discuss. I love this so much. So I'll start if that's okay. Yep, go right ahead. Obviously, this is a weird one because neither you or I were alive at that point. 
And I'm wondering how true it was that the world really held its breath for a moment and all came together. Yes, TV coverage was extensive and available. When you read a book like Tizomio Harmony's Operation Moonglow book, you can see that it did have a big global impact, but it didn't reach every single person. Not like the whole world stopped. You have time zones. You have other dead spots where people wouldn't have been listening. So I think it was effective in certain countries and in certain places, but I think sometimes us as space fans may blow it out of proportion a little bit. I don't know what your thoughts on that are. Yeah, I think personally, I kind of think the same thing. Um, I think that, I think that you know, the moon landing was memorable for certain people. But I think that this is these are my thoughts, and I'm probably more um, <laughs> cynical than most. But I think once the moon landing happened, I think that captivated. I definitely think it did captivate the public, and it did unite us for that brief period. I don't want to get too political. I think the president at the time, and this is where I'm going to get people blocking me on Facebook and in Twitter. I think the president at the time in our country was more excited that Ted Kennedy wrecked a car than Apollo 11. I think that he didn't really care about uh, human spaceflight as much as some would say he did, you know, granted with what he did to the Apollo program eventually and what happened, you know, with the space shuttle. So um, I think the really the result of it, unfortunately, was very short lived. Um, And I think after Apollo 11, people really just lost interest. And unfortunately, they gained interest when Apollo 13 happened because people Mm. almost died, which is terrible. And that's not making light of what happened on Apollo 13 at all. And thankfully, all three return home alive. But uh, yeah, I, I just think after Apollo 11, unfortunately, you know, people just lost interest. You know, it was something we'd already done. It became, I guess, um, routine. There was a piece I did for the my National Space Society blog, The Space Available, about probably a year and a half ago, I'm guessing. And it was a memo that Phil Chapman sent to all the astronaut scientists. And part of the memo, he was basically like, look, NASA's doing a terrible job in promoting the moon landings like it's doing a bad job at sort of marketing itself at this point and i think he was really right i think after apollo 11 nasa sort of gave up and you know marketing um apollo and making like i think before apollo 11 they really did a great job look at the book marketing the moon i mean that's yeah. it really shows you how much that was how much was done in the decade before the moon landing to really get people excited about spaceflight And I do feel after Apollo 11, you saw that sort of drop off because it was something we'd done, right? And people viewed it as, well, we've done that before, and it wasn't as exciting to them. So, I don't know. I tend to look at it through a more cynical view, unfortunately. I think people did lose interest in it, which I don't know if it was a contributor to. I I think the contributors were probably more political than anything. I think when Apollo eventually went away, the person on the street wasn't really upset about it. I think space enthusiasts realized what we were losing, but I don't think regular people were really, you know, they were, oh, it's, yeah, the last moon landing, you know, whatever. And I hate saying it because it sounds very negative. You know, I, I would I would love to have something more positive to say about that period of time. 
yeah, I think you're right. So that that does lead you to the conclusion that perhaps we blow it out of proportion a little bit in terms of how much of an impact it may have had at the time and how much the world stopped for that one moment. And maybe, maybe they did. And if you were alive at that point, listeners, please let us know. I mean, of course, if you were there watching it on the TV, then for you, the world did stop at that moment. But did the whole world stop is, is, is another thing. And in many ways, I think there is more of an opportunity for the world to stop with Artemis than there was w- with Apollo because of the fact that we can all watch live streams and the the internet is extremely readily available to every person on a phone. Not, again, I appreciate not globally, but almost a vast proportion of the world has access to, to be able to watch these things. I think the technology is going to be better. I think we're, we're potentially going to have live footage of the landing if they want to show it, which is a whole other other issue. They might decide they don't want us to see that, which is fine, just in case. I wouldn't be offended by that. Yeah. But the, the them arriving on the moon and then t- t- taking those steps, I think it's going to be huge. That the, the cameras are going to be so much better. I think... Part of the issue with Apollo, especially Apollo 11, is those images were so poor in yeah. relation to what they even achieved three years later with Apollo 16 and 17. The images got oh, so yeah. much better that were being sent back. And now we're 50 years on. And think of what we've already seen come back from Artemis 1 with the GoPros. Yeah. And those are just GoPros. Exactly. I think we're going to get some amazing views. I think we're going to have a more diverse crew. And I think that's going to help. I think it's going to have more of an impact on that level. So I think at the precise moment those first steps happen or the landing happens, I think you're going to see a huge, huge stop. Every news outlet's going to be talking about it. I think it's going to be front page of every every news. Everyone, Just look, I mean, I'm thinking yeah. about this country with how it was just for Bob and Doug's flight. The first, and that was... Interesting for this country to take that much interest in that because that was all about America having launches from America again. That was what was excited about that and the first commercial vehicle to, to take humans into space. But the hype around that alone and how many people were talking about it, that's not walking on the moon. That's not landing on the moon. Yeah. So I think I think it's going to be huge. Yeah, I think, I think once Artemis gets underway and... I don't know how many missions they'll end up being. I think a lot of the history obviously has yet to be written for Artemis, but I think once it gets underway, it's got to be huge. It's got to preempt, you know, all the television and everything like that, probably all over the world. I think it will, because I mean, we're just going to get, I'm just like you said, I'm thinking the pictures we're going to get back are going to be crazy phenomenal. And they're going to be, you know, live. Whereas a lot of the imagery we got from Apollo, we had to wait for it. Yeah. And, this isn't an insult against anybody who worked on the television imagery back then. It was it was 1969. It was not really, what's the word I'm searching for? It was not very sophisticated. And no. you saw over the course of the program, even within three short years, it got a lot better. So, yeah, I think the the you know the imagery we're going to see returned back is going to be probably near instantaneous it's going to be incredible i really think that'll be a big showstopper for a lot of people worldwide and i do think it'll unite people worldwide i do think nasa does have a 
gosh, I and I'm not attacking NASA here, and I understand that they're a federal agency and they're very much constrained by budgets. And I understand that totally. It would be wonderful to have an unlimited budget and to have as much money as they were allocated during Apollo, but they just don't, right? Yeah. Uh, it, you know, it's kind of selfish for just me to to think, you know, they're going to have all this these resources because they don't. But I I do wish they did a little better job of of marketing it. I think when Artemis one happened, you know, people got really excited. And now it's just kind of died down again. And people are like, okay, whatever. Yeah. You know, and I feel like, man, we need some momentum to get us to the next one. The next one is going to be more like Apollo 8, where people orbit the moon. Still a big deal. That's still a huge deal. I mean, that to do that on a second flight of a program is going to be huge. Yeah. That's a BFD. I'm not going to say what the F means, but that's a big deal. I really think they need to really just lean into that and just market the hell out of it. Like, this is the thing you we all got to watch this. You know, you got to try to see it. I really think they need to just really lean into that and just be on that every day. Like, you know, and I think they're doing an okay job at it. I just think it's more of a matter of they probably don't have the resources allocated to them to, you know, have this big splashy marketing campaign because you have to hire people for that, you know, and. That costs money, and I I totally understand that. And um, another thing I think that might interest some people is in the 70s, NASA really began to champion its spinoffs, which were basically things that were developed because of spaceflight. Yeah. And some of it is is very, like, nowadays would be like, well, duh, you know? (laughs) Of course they did that. But, for example, one of the technologies they did was, like, you know, near instantaneous, almost, like, skype type communication right nowadays we do zoom yeah but that's something that was um developed indirectly because of the space program hey we're talking we're doing a podcast right now dave's in freaking london okay (laughs) i mean that's a big deal you know that's a big thing and i think that nasa needs to sort of do a better job and I, i think they do a adequate job of championing championing this is what we could develop because of Artemis in the future. And I think those things can be space manufacturing, perhaps. Yep. Maybe space terraforming, which will be a big deal. You know, planting soil, planting yep. crops and lunar soil, that is a big deal. And I think also um, maybe space habitation, living on the moon. Yeah, sure. You know, living on another world. I think these are things they really sort of need to, again, lean into and really discuss, you know, as, okay, these are things that could come about because of Artemis and that could really change our future. So I've gone on way too long. When you asked me this morning to discuss this, th- that these were the first things I thought about were, you know, I honestly think, I, I really think, I'm not just giving lip service. I think we're really going to see that in the future, you know, the big dividends from Artemis will be those kinds of things, you know, like, technological innovations that we haven't even seen yet just like apollo i mean microprocessors were developed in part because of the apollo program right yeah miniaturization etc yeah yeah and nowadays you know we take it for granted that we have everything on our on our phone you know mm-hmm. right but back then you know that was a big deal and it's a big deal that we have it now i think at our fingertips i mean i do everything on this little itty bitty phone yeah. I do think I take it for granted, but that's mind-blowing to me. Yeah. 
anytime you drop your phone and you break the screen or you're all without it or you misplace it, how weird it feels to not have a phone. It's very yeah. odd, isn't it? Like, what? Yeah. Where is it? How do I, what? Oh, no. My life has fallen apart. It can feel like that, can't it? <laughs> when you leave your phone at home on accident. Oh, I tell yeah. you what, I left my phone at home last week and I felt, and I just was like, I feel naked. You know, because you're so used to having that on you. But I do, seriously though, I do everything with the phone. It's I don't just call people on it. I schedule things on it. I work from it sometimes even. Yeah. You know, if you go out in public, you have just your phone. You can send emails. You know, just things like that. But these were things that were developed indirectly because of the Apollo program, because we had miniaturization, and it's really changed our lives. And I think that's the part of Artemis that we're going to really see dividends on is we're probably going to see technologies, and not just from Apollo, from Shuttle as well, from the ISS. We're going to see technologies and things that are going to really revitalize our lives. I also think of medical technology as well. These are things I really think about, you know, and I think a lot of people think, well, it's a space program. What are, why are we out there? We're just wasting money. And I'm like, no, we're actually doing things for ourselves. You just don't see them. Yeah, absolutely. All those are really valid points. And I think there's something we can talk about for hours and hours. Yes. The issue I see with the Artemis program, and again, this may come into how well it's marketed. So it does link into what you've just said. The issue will be is how long it holds the attention. And this again, this goes back to what your first point as well about the Apollo program not holding the attention very long. In many ways, it's got even harder to hold people's attention than it did back than it was back then. We have so many more distractions, so many more things that grab our attention. And, and the moment of, of the world all coming together to celebrate something could be so brief. It could be the briefest of moments. I hope not. I hope that actually this does rally people together and bring people together and we can start thinking about the overview effect and all those other things and getting more people up and seeing it and bringing us together and thinking about humanity as as Dakota has, has, has pointed out within their, their original question. But I think it's going to be tough. I think the world is so divided right now and even when it may come together to watch this one moment, that will soon be forgotten. And I'm going to use the example of the Olympics in this country in 2012 when we hosted the Olympics. I have never known London like it. The place was buzzing. The atmosphere was amazing. Everyone was so together. Everyone was helping each other out. By the end of the year, that was forgotten about. People, people had gone back to their own way of life, their own way of life. But for those two weeks... In the July and the Paralympics in the, in September, the two weeks of the, the, those as well, I've never known London like it. So a single event, be it sporting, cultural, can bring people together. But maintaining it, I think, is the hard thing. And in, in the run-up to that London Olympics, there was a whole lot of talk about legacy. What would be the legacy of the Games? And I don't think they ever... Crack that. And I think that's the hardest thing. What's the legacy of Apollo? Well, we can talk about technological improvements, but I think it's a hard sell. Yeah. And, and, and what will be the legacy of Artemis? Is it going to be Mars? Is the legacy of Artemis that it doesn't stop this time and we keep going forward? 
if that's the legacy, then we've got a chance of it growing and keep going. But if not, I don't know. I don't know how well we can keep these things going for. Like you said, I agree. I think the legacy of Paolo is hard, almost as it's hard to define in a lot of ways because it, it ended in my opinion, kind of prematurely. Mm. And we can say that, okay, there are a lot of great spinoffs from Apollo, and that's true. But in the same vein, it's like, I think people just just was like, okay, we went to the moon once. I think save for space enthusiasts who love this stuff, and and it's awesome that there are people who love this stuff and who keep the, the feeling alive, especially for people like us who weren't alive back then. I think that's awesome. But, um, I I really think, you know, on a day-to-day basis, people just don't think about the legacy that Apollo has left us and things like that. And that really sucks. I am concerned about that for Artemis. And I do hope, and like I said, this is really uh, still left to be written as, you know, I don't have any clue where the program will end up going. But I, I do hope, like you said, the program kind of becomes like a for all mankind where it just keeps going on. Because I love in the in the TV show for all mankind, I love that they didn't end Apollo. Yeah. It just kept going and it kept getting more advanced. And then they ended up, you know, settling the moon and putting a permanent settlement for people up there. And we're seeing now the show is going to Mars. It, they're probably still on the moon. You know, season four is coming and it's probably they're probably gonna kill everybody, but whatever. Um <laughs> no, I'm sorry. They're probably gonna run our entire lives this season, but no, seriously though, like um I love that idea on For All Mankind that they show that spaceflight is generational, right? Mm. That's what I hope to see from Artemis. And it's kind of already done it because it uses um space shuttle technology. So they're using the technology from that generation to get this going, which I think is really a cool and kind of a poignant thing, but I think that hopefully will become its legacy that it'll be a i'm hoping it'll be a long-running program that shows that okay space flight is something that can be done from generation to generation and these missions can build onto each other from generation to generation if that makes sense because i think there is some of that in the space program like oh god dave's gonna kill me i'm gonna have to mention the name of that space station you know, I do believe a lot of the ISS missions have built on what Skylab did, for example. So yeah. there is that yeah, 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 generational... And on Mir as well. You know, things do get absolutely. built on, don't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you do see that happen, but I, I'd like to see more of that, I guess. Generational missions that kind of just build off on other people's discoveries. I mean, wouldn't that be cool if somebody based something on... You know, if somebody did the first mission, like, a hundred years later, you know, that's the kind of stuff I think about. So I think it has yet to be written, but I hope that it goes on long enough that we do see some kind of dividends from it, whether it's scientific or maybe technological innovations that'll change our lives. If not my life or maybe, you know, my descendants lives or something like that. I think that would be cool. Mm. I just want to bring up the second part of Dakota's question now. How can we use spaceflight as an avenue for peace across humanity in the next few decades? Do you think we'll get to a Gene Roddenberry-style unity on this planet based around the fact that in space there are no borders for our country 
Or do you think that's so pie in the sky, ridiculous? Do you think there will always be issues on this earth beyond what happens? Oh boy, um, that's a great question. Personally, I, I I love the idea of having a Star Trek type, you know, setup where there are people multinational missions, you know, from people from even opposing companies. And I'd like to think that somebody, whether it's SpaceX or somebody, will do something like that in the future. I don't know. I'm just throwing a name out there. It could be anybody. It could be Jeff Bezos. It could be, who knows? You know, I'd love to think that that could have happened. And I think a lot of people wouldn't mind it happening. But I, I think it's just realistic to think that governments will get in the way of it. They won't like certain things. Like, I don't foresee the United States flying with someone from China anytime soon, sadly enough. And it would be nice if we could make that work out, but I just don't think we're in the space right now to have that yeah does it suck yes absolutely you know do i necessarily like that no but i think that's just how things are at the moment and same thing with russia and we're flying with we i won't get into that there's some breaking news this week about russia in space but and we'll probably get to it in uh later in the show but you know i just think things are such that even if it was a private mission, governments would be like, uh-uh, we, we can't let you do that. Sorry. There's that idealistic part of me that thinks, yeah, maybe in the future, but not the near future. Well, I think this has been a really interesting discussion. I'd love to hear what, what listeners think. Do we think that the Artemis program, and again, look at the Artemis Accords. They're not being signed up by that many countries yet. I think the fact that it's American-led does put some countries off, unfortunately, and that might be hard to hear for some Americans, but I think that's the nature of it. But do we think that the Artemis landings have a potential to bring people together? Or will it be just like it is in For All Mankind, for those who haven't watched it, where, you know, even when, when we get past that, it's still always there. And there's still issues. There's still always someone coming in and, and upsetting the, 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 the what could be a big unifier moment. Someone always comes along and, and wrecks it a little bit. Might we see that? Who knows? Uh, I mean, I'm such a positive person, but I'm quite sceptical about if there is a moment, how long it will last. And, and I hope there's a moment and I hope it lasts. But I think the work has to be put in now and I'm not sure it is. And again, part of that is because how do you, as Emily said earlier, how do you fund that? How do you fund not only the engineering, but the marketing and the diplomacy as well? All that has to go into it. And I think in some ways it's it's, it's been attempted, but not enough to, to really be that huge global long-term impact. That doesn't take away from how important and how excited I am about it, though. Okay, stand by for pitch over. Oh, are we coming in? Oh, baby. All right. So, Emily, what's caught your eye in spaceflight this week? Is it the breaking Russian story? Yeah, um, I really don't know much about it, uh, other because I've been kind of busy. But all I know is that there's another leak. This time it is on the Progress. I think it's the Progress MS-21 spacecraft, if I'm not mistaken. There's been a lot of speculation, you know, is this a workmanship issue? But this is the second one in two months, so that's not really good. So um, that's a developing story. Uh, I don't know exactly how 
NASA and Roscosmos are going to even handle that yet. I know they're going to try to do a, a sort of a rescue mission for the uh, Soyuz that had a similar issue. I, I, I don't believe they're going to try to fly people home in that. Uh, they're going to bring another spacecraft up to try to bring them home, uh, the crew home. So, yeah, that's crazy. That did catch my eye, but hopefully those issues will uh, be mitigated in the future. It's a little scary. Okay, you're going to die. One thing I did notice this week, and it's not a current, not even remotely a current story. One of my ways to wind down in the evening is I like to go on Pinterest and just look at Disney stuff, right? Because I'm okay, I'm a Disney freak. Uh, those of you who know me on like social media, I love Epcot and I, I like to go there with my family and stuff like that. I don't live that far away. So I like to, you know, drive over there sometimes with my family and we just hang out. So I found an article and I need to investigate more into this. I got to write a story about this. I think it was the Space Mountain opening in Florida. I think it was. I don't think it was the one in Disneyland, which is in California. But I believe there were astronaut guests there. Like the Mercury 7 were at the opening of Space Mountain in Florida with astronaut Mickey and all that. And I had no idea. But that makes sense that they would be there. At the opening of uh, Space Mountain, which, um, by the way, if you've ever been, I don't want to spoil the ride if you've never been on it. Have, I know you're going to Disney soon, right? Yeah, I've been, I've, I've been when I was younger, well, under the age of 11, so that long ago. But yes, I remember it. Okay. You were probably tall enough to get on Space Mountain at that point. Just see, about, when I was, yes. <laughs> see, when I was 11, I was not big enough to be on that ride. Oh, yet. no. I, I had to wait a few years <laughs> to go on it. Yeah, if you've ever taken Space Mountain, it's uh honestly it's not even a space ride. It's more just like a big ass roller coaster in the dark. But um I personally love it. Uh not it's not a ride for everybody. Personally, I love Space Mountain just cuz it's kind of 70s and kitschy and stuff. I and I love that era from Disney where they're like we're in the future and the future looks like the 70s, you know? Yeah. But you're like we're still in the future, right? It's just it just looks yeah. Like the monorail and things like that. Yeah, See, yeah, I yeah. love I love that stuff. So I, I found this article that the original seven astronauts and Betty Grissom went to the Space Mountain opening. And I absolutely have to find photos of this and write something about it for my blog. I was like, oh my God, I didn't. But it makes sense that they would be there. So yeah, so that's really what I noticed this week. So if anybody, um, I'm looking in newspapers.com for articles. There's got to be articles about the opening and if anybody has photos of it, please send them over. I'm sure Mickey is in a spacesuit and stuff. He did have a space costume that said USA on it. I remember that because he he met the Apollo Soyuz crew in his spacesuit. So I do remember seeing Neil Armstrong and Mickey Mouse outside Space Mountain. I'm not sure that's from the opening, though. I've seen that image. I think that happened in the 90s or the 2000s. Yeah, I just pulled up that photo. It's definitely uh, later as Neil looked a lot older. But this article sounds like it would be perfect for your Space in the 70s series of your blog post. It sounds perfect for you. Yeah, I'm hoping to find pictures of them actually at Disney World or at the Contemporary Resort. I'm sure that's where they were put because that's the swanky resort that's right by Space Mountain. Yeah. And uh, I've been there. It's gorgeous. It's still stunning. It's very expensive to stay there, but it's a very stunning looking place if i can afford to eat there that's about it but um seriously it's it's beautiful but i'm sure back then they probably stayed there for 
not, they probably got comped rooms or something, but I got to find pictures because I'm sure this, the photos are just 70s-tastic, you know, with mutton yeah. chops, shiny Kiana shirts and platform shoes and stuff. I got to find this. So, yeah, so that's really what I've noticed this week. And everybody's like rolling their eyes like, I thought you were going to have something current. Nope. It was just a 70s story that I'm going to pursue now because the photos are going to be fire. That's all. Yeah, well, I can't wait to see that. And uh, when you post it, obviously, we'll put it in our show notes. So, uh, Dave, what have you been looking at this week? Okay, so I think this is a a cool story, and I'm sure you've seen it. It's been announced that uh, SpaceX will launch the first Saudi Arabian woman to space on the Axiom 2 mission. Uh, There's going to be two Saudis on the four-person flight. I did not see this coming. Maybe maybe it had been announced previously. Uh, I know the Saudi space program had said that they expect their first female astronaut to fly in 2023. That came out last year. And currently, the Saudi space program has four astronauts, uh, two, two men and two women, which... Let's just think about that for a second. Now, I know Saudi Arabia's got problems, and I know I don't miss wish to whitewash over any of those, but this is their first astronaut class, and they've done a 50-50 gender split. Yep, they did it right. A country which has issues with women driving and other things like that. They've managed to make that happen, and yet other nations... It took them a lot longer. That's all I'm going to say about it. That's all I'm yeah, going to say. I agree totally. Of course, Axiom is a private company that are sending up crews currently to the International Space Station. And they had their first mission last year. You may remember us, you may remember us talking about that. And this is the second mission. Now, weirdly, Emily Early was talking about how she felt it was unlikely that, that China would send astronauts, would be allowed to send astronauts uh, or Taikonauts on board a private US company's mission. And yet here we have the Saudi Arabian Space Agency hiring two seats on Axiom. I think this is a cool story. So Axiom 2 coming soon. Peggy Whitson will be the commander. We knew that already. Uh, and the pilot's going to be this guy called John Schofner, who's not someone I, I know much about or anything about. And then you've got these two Saudis um, who are going to be going to the International Space Station. I'm going to attempt to say their names. The two are Rayana Banawi and Ali Alkani. And they'll be the first Saudi Arabians to travel to the ISS and only the second and third people ever from Saudi Arabia to, to go to space. Um, the first, I think, was on the space shuttle in 1985, wasn't it? I think Or 84. Yeah, and I think he was a prince too. Or a sultan or, or something. He was he was kind of high up. He traveled on a, a mission with a woman who I think was Shannon Lucid. And I think at the time that caused some, I guess, controversy, you know, because he had to fly with a woman. And obviously it was it's not a, that big of a deal. But at the time it was like, whoa, you know, women and men flying together. That's, you know, that was very progressive at the time. And this just shows you how far not only we've, come as a society but also how far the saudi arabia has come and i think it's awesome and and you already pointed this out i love that they got their astronaut class 50 50 the first time yeah and to be clear i don't want that to whitewash other issues that are going on in that country which we need to talk about yeah but if you're trying to talk via diplomatic means suggest to another part of the world 
that they're not doing things right, <laughs> which is always yeah. so condescending and, and can be done so badly. But you also have to congratulate them when they do things which are how you would like to see the world, especially when they've done it right first time and it took the US. I mean, I can't even talk about the UK because we it, don't have our own national yeah. program, but it took the US nearly 20 years before they had any w- women in their national class. I know times have changed, yeah. but that's that's what we're talking about. Times have changed that even in Saudi Arabia are doing this. Yeah, and times changed more quickly, I think, there. You know, whereas I think it got more... Cr- it's hard to say. I think things progressed. Maybe I'm wrong, and if I am wrong, I, I somebody please reach out, let me know. But I think, you know, the fact that they get, did it 50-50 the first time shows that, you know, they're aware that times are changing whereas the united states we we were very slow yeah you know to recognize that so kudos to them for doing that and like i said we're not trying to gloss over some of the the real issues that their government has but we want to salute them for that absolutely absolutely i think that we have to understand that at the deepest possible level opening the high frontier means making possible and ensuring the survival of the human race. Thank you very much for listening this week. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and don't forget to let us know your thoughts on what we talked about today. Also, this was very much triggered by our wonderful Patreon subscribers. And if you want to be involved, just head over to patreon.com slash face and things. Yeah, big thanks to all those who are in that group and all of you who continue to listen as well. A big thank you to Dakota for suggesting this topic as well. Really do appreciate that. Hey, I just realized I have an apology to make. I think in my head, in the interview last week, I think I made a mistake. I think I said I was reading a book about George Lowe written by Jay Gallantine. The George Lowe book was not written by Jay Gallantine. It was written by Richard Jurek. And I know that because I was reading it at the time. And we've had Richard on the show. But I've been very tired recently. And I happened to be looking no at problem. another book in the Nebraska Press by Jay Gallantine, which was next to my Richard Jurek book. So, Richard, I apologize for doing that. Uh, and if anyone was listening going, has Jay Gallantine written a book about George Lowe? No, he hasn't, as far as I'm aware. This was Richard Jurek's book, which is amazing. And our episode with, yes. with Richard Jurek was my amazing. Uh, so I apologize to Richard for the miscredit there. Although Jay Gallantine has also got some awesome books out there as well. Man, I'm digging myself so many holes here. Uh, I may not have got it wrong. It's just in my head. I need to go back and listen to it. Yeah. I'm sure George Lowe has done a walk-on cameo in some of Jay's Galantine's <laughs> books. So, I'm sure yeah. he's in there. Yeah, but exactly. I'm sure he's in there doing like a, hey, I'm here. Yeah. It's me. You know? But actually, oh, I should have brought this up at the time, actually. I would love to have known what George Lowe would think about how space is going right now. Uh, I think that would right? have been incredible to know how someone like him, what he thought about all of this and the Artemis program and and what it can do for all of us in the future. Because I think he's that kind of person yeah. that would have had great insight on that. I'll just close that thought with this. The the Jurek book about George Lowe, for me, kind of taught me um, how to be a manager. Yeah. Seriously. It's incredible. Like, that book... T- I mean, you gotta if you if you have any interest in like management, just read that book. That's like that'll tell you exactly how to do it. I mean, seriously, that 
so yeah go um go get that book it it, it it's incredible absolutely anyway as you can tell my voice is a little scratchy today so i could do with a brew but remember when you turn your kettle on in space no one can hear you steam Spacey Things has been brought to you by And Things Productions.